You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. The ANC, which narrowly won the majority vote in the 2019 national election, has experienced scrutiny over the last five years. One of the biggest blows for the ANC was the formation of breakaway party MK, endorsed by former ANC President Jacob Zuma. Zuma, who addressed the media and members in December last year, urged former ANC voters to turn to MK in the upcoming election. Its presidents were further dealt another blow when reports of a farm robbery at Ramaphosa's Palapala farm emerged. A huge sum of money was stolen from his farm. Parties like the EFF raised concerns as to why Ramaphosa did not sound the alarm on the theft. But Ramaphosa assured South Africans and Parliament that he would subject himself to any of the investigations. As regards to accounting to Parliament, I have said that I'm willing, prepared and able to subject myself, subject myself to all manner of investigations, as well as inquiries, as well as processes that are unfolding here in Parliament. There is now a Section 81 process, which 89 rather, meant to say 89, process which I have clearly and openly said I will cooperate in and I will cooperate to the fullest of my ability. This matter has been subjected to a number of investigations by a number of authorities. The other time I counted, there were up to seven or eight authorities that are looking into this. In the last election manifesto, Ramaphosa assured South Africans that the party would do all it could to fight unemployment. But statistics released by Say on Tuesday paint a bleak future for the country and its youth. This is as the unemployment rate increased to 32.1% in the last quarter of 2023. Speaking to voters in 2019, Ramaphosa said the party would create jobs each year. At the center of our manifesto is really a plan to create many more jobs and ensure that all workers can earn a decent living by boosting local demand for jobs, investing more in sectors such as mining, manufacturing, agriculture and all other sectors such as tourism. We will also expand our export markets. We estimate that when we implement all these commitments and interventions, we will be able to create up to 275 additional jobs each year. This we will be able to do, nearly doubling the annual rate of employment creation. 
The country's rolling blackouts are also expected to take center stage in the ANC's election manifesto. Last year, ANC SG Figile Mbalula promised that load shedding would be a thing of the past at the end of 2023. But earlier this month, President Ramaphosa told a different story that a future without load shedding cannot be guaranteed. We're doing all we can to ensure that we address load shedding. It is a constant problem uh, for South Africans, we know that. And uh, everybody feels it, and it's not comfortable at all. In fact, it does sometimes evoke a lot of anger. But as I've said, we do have the resilience as South Africans to keep on ensuring that we do hope for a better time, and a better time is coming. The latest Ipsos polls has predicted that the ANC will, for the first time in 30 years, drop to at least 40% in the upcoming elections. This, coupled with the formation of the multi-party charter and leftist parties pledging their allegiance to Umkondo Wesizwe, may just put a dent in the party's support. I am Sibahle Mota in Johannesburg. And joining us to discuss this further is Professor Begim Gomezulu, Director of the Center for the Advancement of Non-Racialism and Democracy at the Nelson Mandela University. Prof, thank you very much for your time. The, the, the ANC's manifesto should really be the easiest of the lot because they've had the mandate from from the electorate for 30 years. It should simply be, this is what we said we would do and this is what we've done. But of course, it isn't that straightforward Good morning to you. What can we expect they'll say today? Uh, good morning, Sister, and good morning to your uh, listeners as well. Yes, indeed, uh, uh, given the fact that uh, uh, the ANC has been in power since 1994, you are absolutely right in saying that ideally this, ele- this election manifesto should have been one of the easiest. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. Uh, partly because it comes at the backdrop of uh, the president having delivered the State of the Nation address, which was, uh, in fact, not properly structured in the first place, because uh, the structure that we are alluding to is the structure that I also spoke about, saying that uh, if you have been in power, what you do, you say, this is what we had promised. I would promise you five things. We have only been able to do two of the five things. These are the reasons why we're unable to do the other three. This is the plan we have in place to address the other three so that all five are taken care of. And going forward, these are the other five that were added. Structurally, that is how the speech should be prepared. But instead, uh, the president ended up uh, uh, doing what the all, all other parties are doing, canvassing for the election. Mm-hmm. We are coming back. Either by a tanda or a tanda. So basically, uh, it's going to be tough for, for those reasons because there are a number of things that the president had promised before, which the party has been unable to do, and then yeah. he will have to explain himself. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about. I know you're not a fan of of manifestos, but what what are manifestos actually meant to help? The, the electorate with? We have many first-time voters, new voters, or you know people who just haven't had the opportunity to engage this process. And maybe they're saying, Prof, I, I'm not too sure. I, I registered, I registered in time, but I'm not too sure uh, which way I will go. Are, are manifestos not meant to be the tools that help guide people who are still uncertain? 
You you are absolutely right, Sebedet. I'm one of the people who are, who are in fact not excited about manifestos, but in in, in fact it's a it's a compliance issue, uh, because the standard pro, um, the procedure that uh, in all countries. Whenever you have an election coming, then parties have to market themselves to the electorate. But this only works if you have one fewer parties. And then two, if these manifestos, are one, one manifesto is different from the next. If you look at most of these manifestos, they are almost one and the same thing. The difference is that you will say, I'm going to provide 1,000 jobs. I will come and say, I'm going to provide 2,000 jobs. But in terms of substance, there is no difference. We're just saying one and the same thing. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, another thing is that in the, in the main, these manifestos are written in English and then local languages are not used. So which means uh, the majority of the people who are not literate uh, don't have access to those manifestos and therefore they don't know what is contained in the manifestos, but they will decide whether they vote for you or they vote for me upfront, mm. even before the manifesto is launched. Is this not where the advantage of the African National Congress is, though? Because nobody does door-to-door campaigning like they do. They are on the ground. They are everywhere in the country. They'll be looking, of course, to to, to sell that strength. I mean, we saw the, the lead-up and build-up events during the week as well, people people turning out. When when they really want to show what, what, what a force they are, they do that very well. And, and given how tough this election will be for, for the ANC, they certainly have to pull out all the stops. Have they done enough? KZN is a battleground. It, it certainly is is up for grabs. Everybody wants it. Have they done enough to, to one, make sure that, that they've secured it, but to remind people, particularly those who don't care for manifestos, but uh, listen to the, to, to the individuals that knock on their doors and, and tell them why the ANC is the party you, sh- you should vote for. Have they done enough on that front that will make the 29th of May a good day for them. Uh, you, you know, Sabe, you, you're absolutely right that the ANC has done a good job in terms of uh, um, a conversing support, uh, more especially in Guazulu Natal. And the president was elated yesterday, in fact, saying that uh, the reception he has received even surprised him, that uh, he, he was welcomed warmly and is looking forward to a fully packed Moses Mapeda Stadium, which is going to happen, of course. Yeah. But the question is did they have to do door to door? Or did they have to deliver on the promises that made? Because if you deliver on the promises you have made, you don't even need door-to-door. The money that you use for these door-to-door activities is the money that you should be using uh, to jumpstart the economy. You should be using to uh, assist the youth that is unemployed. You should be using to do a lot of other things. So for me, uh, of course, the ANC has done a sterling job in terms of conversing, but I don't think they're investing their money where they're supposed to. There is no need for these door-to-doors. Just deliver services. People will automatically vote for you because they trust that uh, what you say is what you're going to do. Not even scandal is, is enough to dissuade people from voting for somebody that they actually like. Um, the you know past pre- the, the, the former president of, of the party as well had had several scandals over his head, but he's, he's able to launch a party in a couple of months and people support him. The, 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 the incumbent is also walking in with the pala pala scandal over his head, but I imagine that that's the least of their concerns, isn't it? Because people are, people seem to be drawn by other things and, and scandal uh, neither here nor there seemingly in some parts of the country, which is quite worrying, actually. Indeed. indeed. South Africans are a forgiving nation. Uh, in fact, if you look at uh, the number of scandals that have been uh, out there in the public, 
there, there are very few people who would have uh, deserved your vote or my vote, mm. but we'll vote anyway mm. for other reasons, like you're saying. So, for instance, on the uh, on the Palapala issue, I think I commend the president because the president, uh, I mean, uh, saw that uh, that was one thing that was indefensible. And the president took a firm position and said, okay, uh, let the investigations go, seven or eight of them. But then when he realized that uh, there is there was no way that he was going to avoid this, then he said, I'm ready to resign. He prepared a letter on the 21st of November. He was ready to resign. The people I blame are the people who protected him. When they invoked Section 89, then uh, the president said, okay, I'm not going to win this one, so I'm resigning. They said, no, don't worry, Mr. President. We have the numbers. We'll defend you. What were they defending? And uh, at what cost to the party and at what cost to the country? Of course, they saved the president, but did they save the ANC? Did they save the country? Those are the questions we'll be asking for many years to come, long after the president has left office. And history will judge the president correctly that he, he did a, a wrong thing, terribly wrong on the Palapala matter. But then he used his conscience to say, I put the country first. I'm ready to resign. People who are going to be blamed by some of us are the people who protected him, even when he had taken a decision that he was going to resign. Professor Begum Gomezulu, thank you very much. Director of the Center for the Advancement of Non-Racialism and Democracy at the Nelson Mandela University. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 Nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.